0: Yeah, oh yeah. What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? What's a man?
1: I have learned so much in hosting all these conversations with men for this podcast series. Some things you learn from repetition, hearing it said over and over again but some things you learn from their absence, what has not been said, from the silences, what's missing. As I reflect back on a year and a half of listening, I realize that not a single straight, middle or upper class man, educated at the best schools and colleges in India and overseas, defined a man with the word love. This is Deepan Narayan social science researcher and host of What's a Man podcast, in which I explore masculinity based on interviews with over 250 educated middle and upper class boys and men in Delhi, Mumbai and other cities as well. My goal is simple, to open up the conversation about men and masculinity in a non-judgmental way with compassion and deep listening. In this episode, I talk to one man, Abish Matthew, the great comedian who shares his fears and confusions, how he's fighting off some aspects of toxic expectations of masculinity imposed on him as a young child, reclaiming the shutdown parts of himself because of his early training, how he's changing himself one behavior at a time engage with us, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Hubhopper, Apple, Spotify, and many others. I have asked some version of the following question in every interview. What are the first three words that come to you when you think of yourself as a man? Or... What is the first image that comes to you when you think of a man? The only man who spoke about love when asked to define masculinity is Parmesh Sahani, who describes himself as queer, gay. You heard from him in episode seven. He's the vice president at Godrich Industries.
2: Well, how naughty can we be on this show?
1: <laughs>
2: Considering that I've just... <laughs> Well, right now it's my partner in the next room with like the blanket crumpled all over his, <laughs> his arms and legs. I've been trying to wake him up for the past hour saying come on my podcast is starting get out of bed and like get started. <laughs> so my first image is him lying next to me every morning um, and just the gratitude I feel for that because I know how much of a privilege that is right in a in, not just in our country, but in, even in, in large parts of the world today to, to wake up next to someone you love and uh, just feel them breathing next to you in that slow contentment of perhaps this is what love is, um, just mere presence. And, uh, you know, so right now the image that I think is just the gratitude that I have of, you know, of being able to be within this space of love. And it's been amplified through the course of the pandemic, right? Because the pandemic was very uh, a very lonely experience for so many of my own friends. Uh, and indeed, it was very difficult for both of us on so many different levels. Uh, but just to you know, to have him, to have the person I love, um you know, just bear witness to what I was going through and vice versa, and offer comfort and solidarity and just often mere presence um so yeah
1: to resolve this puzzle of why queer men were open and connected to love just like many women but straight men held back we have to go back to boys and men's own definitions of masculinity from our 250 interviews These narrow definitions of masculinity lock men out of expressing love and vulnerability. They're seen as weaknesses and womanly. This leaves men only one option. Playing in the arena of power, grasping for power, knowing who has it and who doesn't, who's higher and who's lower, pretence and fear when it eludes them. It's a tiresome, lonely game. A human being not allowed love is only half a human being. Let's hear the responses and voices of a few young children and youth that we interviewed. Toxicity breeds on one sided power and privilege. What's the first word that comes to your mind when you think of a man? Strong. 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 Mostly
2: dominance, assertion, and aggression.
1: How would you describe power?
2: Maybe muscular, muscle, like a strong build.
1: Who's more powerful in the house? P A P A. Tell me why, tell me why. Because sometimes only you know, he says, like, bring that, bring this, fill the water bottle. But most of the time he listens to me. <laughs> oh. We asked, how would you rate your father on power on a scale of 1 to 10 and why? More of 8 need. In 8 or 9, I feel because uh, I feel
2: like he's really good at handling himself as a person. He's really good at knowing what he wants to do and how he wants to feel. Yeah. Like He's really good at shutting some part of his brain down so that he doesn't feel that emotion, which it's yeah. really powerful.
1: Most acknowledge their privilege. We asked, what do you love about being a man? Safety, freedom, would say
0: privilege, I guess. <laughs>
2: well again testosterone always a good thing
1: despite everything now available on the internet and despite rise in porn homes and schools maintain a steady silence about bodies and sexuality especially in the early grades we asked did your family talk to you about your body
2: there was no conversation about um, relationships body sex changes anything
1: when boys fail to measure up against ideal, desirable male bodies, they fill up with shame about their bodies, but they hide this.
2: Normal body shaping that goes on in everyday life. I've never had a positive relationship with my body because I didn't fit the ideal body shape. Uh, I don't have abs or I don't have biceps or whatever
1: and schools which have an opportunity to break gender stereotypes overall reinforce them
2: this is not uh, fair that girls and boys cannot talk to each other uh, they can talk to each other but uh, like they are they are they were scolded for that this i felt very bad this makes a very uh, big and very like gap of communication and among the classmates
1: We in the upper and middle classes distance ourselves from any association with toxic masculinity as being far away from us, from our families. But we continue to train boys to kill their emotions, not to be sad, not to be depressed. And we tolerate anger from men.
2: I never saw any of his emotions. All my emotional upbringing was from my mom. His anger would be expressed in reactions where he would be physically very uh, violent. I actually have a, I have a hard time differentiating between anger and sadness a little bit. I'm very bad at expressing fear. I've realized that it's very hard for me to say the phrase,
1: I am scared. Boys cannot show any weakness.
3: My biggest fears are that uh, I don't want to be exposed completely.
0: What's a man? Masculinity podcast in India by Deepan Arayan. Our partners are Hubhopper, The Gender Lab, who work with adolescent boys and girls on gender awareness, Chup Circles, Safe Spaces for Conversation, and Youth Ki Awaaz, the largest online platform for youth voices. This podcast is supported by the American Center, New Delhi. The opinions presented in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the American Center or the U.S. government.
1: Some men are fighting their early training and how to be a man. In this episode, I explore all these themes in one man. And since we have explored power so much, I will zero in more on love and vulnerability, the antibiotic for dominating power. Each man is a portrait of courage, of vulnerability, of failure, weaknesses, of love, of empathy, of strength, redefining power in manhood. There's no perfect man, only uniquely imperfect human beings. Today's man of courage is Abish Matthew. Abish Matthew is a stand-up comedian and a YouTuber. He's the creator and host of the wonderful Son of Abish and is the host of Comistan. Welcome, Abhish. What a delight to talk with you. You are a funny man on stage. Can you talk about your journey? How did you end up in comedy?
3: Um, it started with when I was a kid. I was very annoying because I was very loud and I would just, you know, annoy my cousin, sisters and everyone. Uh-huh. And that confidence or that reaction I used to get from them because of what I used to do or say used to be laugh, pleasant, eh. Right, they would never appreciate. But when I took that same skill of being annoying and put it out at uh, a mic or on stage is when it uh, became like, it became like, oh, this is a side that I like. When you were
1: young, when you first realized it, when you were a kid?
3: Oh, class. Mm -hmm. I think class one or LKG or UKG, I was really young and my dad put me on like an underwear with a sash, which Mr. Universe, a small steel Mm -hmm. pipe with like two... (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, table tennis. Oh no, not table tennis. Like uh, the tennis balls attached, and I had to do like this. And I. Uh, uh. So I think then, as a kid, when I saw that, I was like, "Hey, yeah, I like this." I didn't know what it was. I didn't know there's a profession, but in our church, we used to have a lot of these stage events, and in school also. So I used to go on stage. So I was just comfortable with
1: stage. As an 11 year old, Abish was in a good school on a scholarship for the poor and he realized that he became an equal with students through being funny on the stage and his confidence shot off the charts. Like I used to work Mm -hmm. on a fee waiver. Mm -hmm. So when there was a fancy dress
3: competition in school, I participated cross-dressed and I was doing a um, you know typical cross-dressing male hilarious. So cross-dressed and had a conversation as a, um, as a nurse, because my mom's a nurse. So the joke was about a nurse talking to a patient. Jeez, I just oh. realized my first thing on stage was cross-dressing. <laughs> cross-dressing. Woo! That's and not you... going to go well with a woke
1: crowd. <laughs> uh, no. And it was a different time.
3: Yeah, it was a different time.
1: <laughs> and there's been no in you since. So I was just comfortable with stage.
3: So I'm comfortable with stage. Then I took up music, was okay with it then from there it went to radio again it's also a stage in a way then from there to comedy
1: and then continued your your show son of Pabish, is funny it's really funny i love the way you uh, you host it and how you interact with the guests it's great just
3: fun. the it's just the <laughs> talent of 175 people who work on the show that's all
1: <laughs> <laughs> great great this podcast is all about exploring masculinity and opening up the conversation about what it means to be a man. So I'm going to start with my question, which I ask everyone. When you think of a man, what are the first three words that come to your mind? Uh, First thing that comes is as
3: caretaker. Then the second thing that would come across as is robust for some strange reason. And the third thing is... uh, slower to evolve these are the three basic things that came to my head when I saw that so in that order Uh, robust is there uh, tough to evolve and um, caretaker
1: can you talk can you explain them a little bit what do you mean by caretaker
3: it's such a beautiful catch 22 Okay, pressure to earn money because you're the caretaker you earn money become caretaker dopamine hits your ego becomes bigger and then you, then you crib about how much nobody else is working. But you feel great because you're making that money. It's that cycle that's the problem. Whether you decide whether money is your main thing and you drive towards it, that's fine. But recognizing that ego boost when you are able to take care of somebody is where I think that slight bit of toxicity remains.
1: Right. And that, that because you're taking care of somebody or uh, somebody depends on you, you have the power... And control and authority over them.
3: Even if you right. don't exercise it, right? It's like you know having like a Harley Davidson, but you're riding this narrow streets of Bandra You're still going at twenty kilometers per hour, but you know that baby can go up a- You can assert
1: it at any time, and everyone around you knows that too.
3: Yeah, caretaking I think is a double-edged sword where somebody will take care of you, and then it becomes this symbiotic, addictive relation. They keep wanting more, but they never start feeding in. So. That is what my concern with a caregiver is. We are all used to giving, 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 giving without empowering, 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 empowering.
1: So, Abhish, what you're saying is that when caretaking is very one-sided, it's very unhealthy because there's a power imbalance and dependency that just increases inequality. It also puts a lot of pressure to always know to always pretend to always act powerful and this must be scary does this result in ego fights
3: in front of other men 100 percent. i have seen that all the time from everybody hey you know who you're talking to hey buddy back off i've seen that a lot with when men fight because i know it's i know it's really dangerous because when they're attacking they're both very scared they're both waiting for a will hit first. So they'll bring out all weapons and everything. And that show. All it takes is that one hit. Then it's a police complaint. Then it's a legal fight. Then it's a criminal record. Then there is your education that's hampered, your family. It'll take you a couple of years to get through it. You will still have that in the back. That ability to understand the damage that you'll cause with fierce violence.
1: How can this be broken? Especially men versus men against men. Aggression, fighting, getting into ego, right?
3: The only way this can be broken is by more strong women just being strong regardless. It's because I feel the, a lot of men who are manly, manly, man, men have the pressure of running a house. They feel like they're apex. When they see there's another competition... Sooner or later, they'll see them as a partner. But you have to be
1: competition until you become partner. So, I think it's about bringing empathy into our relationships across genders. Yeah, and less exactly. and less violence. Uh, one of the things women often say is that men are afraid of strong women or powerful women. Do you agree?
3: I don't think anyone is afraid of strong women. I think they have defined strong women incorrectly. Like, I don't think anyone you'll go to and say, Do you want to get married to a weak woman? No one's going to say, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, I want a strong woman, you know. But. Yeah.
1: Is uh, strong mistaken for aggressive?
3: Yeah, 100%. It is such a misconception. I make it as well.
1: Let's finally go to your second word, Avish, robust. What does that mean?
3: You're just a strong pillar standing in the face of anger, in the face of accusation, in the face of this. Standing in the wind, not breaking down, just solidly standing and we'll say, wow. Slow to evolve. Slow to evolve is because when you have a very strong idea, um, responsibility, s- stress and pressure, like point one and point two, you will not take risks. Anything that will come to your head, you'll be like, wait, I need to think of uh, children, parents, partners. We don't allow to talk even to people who you think will be affected if I should take that risk. So I would say if if I had to paraphrase from bottom is don't talk, don't cry, don't emote or don't want
1: to feel, don't share. That is really tough to hear because what you've described, what we consider normal masculinity, don't emote, don't share, don't talk when combined with entitlement and privilege is really a description of toxic masculinity and that's the form of masculinity that leads to violence when all other outlets are blocked.
3: Traditionally men are if they are put in positions of power and if they have no emotions or empathy everything they build will be void of empathy and everyone under that structure is going to suffer If you keep anybody who's unempathetic as the head, that structure's gotta just be the most terrible place to work at. And which is what I think the entire world is right now. So, um, I think that specifically is the problem uh, of men not being connected to their emotions and being put to position of powers. Can I give you a very clear example in India? Absolutely. In the corporate sector in India, the temperature of the office... You always know Women are coming and saying Hey can you switch the AC off a little Can you reduce it you, Women are always coming with a shawl Because that standard temperature Is maybe defined for a comfortable temperature for a man If a lady comes and says yaar, madam, ko time cold They'll do it in front and they'll put it back But when I go and I say Hey temperature kar, uh, ba-da, garmi, uh, thand hai, sir, he'll put it and he'll lock it and so this, I've
1: seen it. I've seen right. it like economically in all standards and grades. Right. I think this example of temperatures is so powerful. I use it too, because it's basically a world designed by men for men. And just <laughs> exactly. as a fact, right? Not as a judgment. That's the truth right now. And how do we change?
3: <laughs> like, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Like if I was thinking, if I was a woman, And if I had to design a gun, I would never keep it next to my breast because every time you fire, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. You would think of a new way to build a gun. So, yeah, everything is designed by men for men.
1: Or you may not. That may not be your number one priority, to (laughs) design a gun. (laughs) That's true. Thanks, Abish. I want to turn to your family. Let's start with your mother. What is your relationship with her like? So I am
3: what I consider the cameraman to the sitcom. Because <laughs> pe- my father is the eldest of the family, mum the eldest of the family and my brother is elder in this family yeah. for, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. So it was like I'm the cameraman of the sitcom that's going on between the three of them. My relationship with my mother was the same as my relationship with my pair, father and my brother, which was fear it was just fear it was just afraid of all three properties altogether so like from anywhere anything could fly for anything for maybe maybe I put the button on for the light and I was in the restroom and I I mean and I came out and I put the light off I don't know from where it'll come from my dad from my mom or from my brother so it used to be that so my dynamic with my mom was that till I started earning and then I think at that time it was also like okay he's become his own man so she started then confiding
1: so, can we go back into the fear a little bit? What were you afraid of?
3: Hits, major, hits. major hits. hits Oh yeah, hits, here, hits, there from, hit different things. From all three? Oh yeah, sometimes cousins, the brothers will join in Sometimes aunts will join in Wow My first memories of my father is full fear It used to be fear, 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 fear I think after 12th, in college It turned into more It immediately snapped into becoming a friend
1: I'm so sorry. It must have been really hard and you must have felt so alone.
3: I still think it's an
1: economic understanding. Yeah. As soon as the power shifts
3: to the person who earns more, the dynamic changes. Not all the time with women, though, because I've seen women who earn more still don't get the respect. But with a man, if you're older and earning more, it's part of the hierarchy.
1: Logically, it will continue. Yeah. So it's almost a stereotype for men. Why is it so difficult for men to apologize? To say I'm sorry.
3: I don't think we've been learned how to apologize. Because I think while we were also young... What have we seen? Dad apologizing to mom? No, not at all. We've seen mom apologizing to dad? Yeah. We've seen mom apologizing or getting angry and not talking to dad? Yeah. Have you seen your dad walking out of the house? Yeah. We've seen so many bad examples. Yeah. Then we don't know... And if they apologize, they apologize in bed. And they keep PD away from kids... All, as kids, we are getting to see is fights and silences. laughter's because of an external situation, such as a TV or a, I did something or uncle comes and does something. My point is, I have, we haven't seen the blueprint of a successful marriage because whatever is holding that marriage successfully for 50 years, 60 years, is in the bedroom. I'm not talking about sex, but it's alone. As a child, we have no blueprint of what a good marriage is. We are building it on the basis of books, movies... Failing terribly Miserably Because we are also not Conversing with our partners Like we should Because we've learned that So 100% is tougher for anyone To apologize Men especially Because added with that oh, You're a man <laughs> And luckily Like I said in, in my family They put me in with sisters Because they generally thought It's got a way more Effeminate energy Than masculine energy I feel The word sorry Means Pause Let me take a breather Yeah, yeah. That's that. what it should I, mean it, yeah. That's what it should mean Sorry is that i apologize for the way you're feeling yeah give me some time to come back because i don't know if i'm totally responsible but then comes an apology when you're like either you've realized it was yours obviously it's both people's but then beautiful is when two apologies come together
1: yeah that'd be amazing right and each person takes responsibility for their part in it Yeah. and there's some deep listening it comes back to deep listening and pause then you can access other parts of yourself that are more mature more more adult rather than when we get into a cave when we get into this hiding protecting ourselves nothing is possible mature actions adult actions are not possible wow that was great <laughs> <laughs> Um, One of the areas that many men seem to be stuck is that men have a lot of difficulty connecting with their emotions and feeling their feelings. Would you agree? And how is it for you?
3: 100%. I think before therapy, that was 100% true. It was like my head was a modern art. It had all colors plattered over all the time, new paints coming in. So I didn't know. I didn't want to focus on the chaos because yeah. each second I live is another layer of paint. Wonderful you know, metaphor.
1: <laughs> so yeah,
3: in 60 seconds, there are 60 layers. Who's going to go back to the first one? Yeah. So I think through therapy, the thing I realized that you're going to keep slapping paint. Go wide and look at how often are you slapping paint? What kind of paint is it? When you feel what? Then it automatically slows down. Then you're able to see. You're not trying to change the process. You're just trying to observe it.
1: So therapy is teaching you, Avish, to slow down internally and observe your emotions. But what was the trigger? Why did you go into therapy in the first place? Could you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, I think it was uh, randomly crying on a scooter when I'm riding. And I got onto the scooter and I was like, I I remember going, what the fuck? I was on the scooter. I was like, what the fuck? And then I remember A day later I had another rehearsal So I asked a friend of mine Yo you were a therapist right Yo can you hook me up Can you hook a brother up With like a Therapist number Yo dog I had to Cool it Like I had to That's ask nice. it In a funny way Because I can be like Hey I'm an emotional mess Do you have Professional help <laughs>
1: And has that changed Your behavior What and what did you learn About yourself
3: Like I have notes I take homework For my therapy I read hmm. research I mark out notes And I I, have, I maintain my Nice document of emotions, thoughts, and behavior patterns. If I need to, otherwise, anything interesting that I read, then I'll go disclose that as such. So I think more than talk therapy earlier used to give me perspective. Now it's just like a constant weekly check-in. All
1: right. So talk to me about one problem you had, uh, one insight, or one behavior authority. that you've changed. Authority. Yeah. So I was very authority. afraid of authority. Yeah.
3: I was uh, very afraid of authority because brother, father, mother—all three authorities—and. I'm afraid of even speaking up to a school principal. I was afraid of anyone even remotely taller than me. That's how afraid I was of authority. (laughs) Through therapy, figured out that I have a fear of authority, which comes from all three of my parents, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I had to build up to them or empower myself to get there. Mm -hmm. So with my father, with my mother, I started doing, I started speaking to them every day, overwhelming them with what I do. Then when they got to know what I do, the pressure I'm in, they started relaxing. With my brother at least a conversation to tell him that we are equals now you know i am not younger brother anymore let's start as friends the people who i was afraid of are i have i am not afraid of them anymore
1: but losing your fear is a huge thing especially fear of authority anything that you've started loving about yourself
3: i think the first thing i've liked about myself is the because of therapy is Uh, I don't have the fear of making a life decision alone not because I'm a therapist but because of therapy it's taught me to talk to more people and get to hear everyone's perspective before you make a move so the caretaker thing as a man I can now confidently do because I'm not caretaking I'm asking five different people to help me caretake so it's easy you caretake you caretake it's it's not on me anymore I've diffused that responsibility that is to be a man of the house I I don't want to be a man of the house I just want to be a person in the house you want to be a person in the house come be a person in the house we can be people in the house but I'm not the man of the house I'm just a person in the house with you Uh, so that really helped second thing is pattern recognition of things that I do which are not good for me and are good for me which has enabled me to write down notes about therapy and make pattern notes. Like example, uh, I I love drinking coffee a lot, Mm
1: -hmm. but
3: I want to unwind from coffee a little bit because I'm having like too much of it.
1: That's what I was when I was younger.
3: I'll ask that. Then I'll say, okay, let me start marking it. So with each time I drink a coffee, I make a mark. So I know I'm at five right now.
1: Beautiful. So you've learned how to solve problems in a new way. Yes, in an exciting way, actually.
3: Yeah. I am excited because now I am a project, a blank canvas. So every time I see something, I'm like, Hey, you started having chocolates at night. No, ah, you're sneaking. You, like earlier, I wouldn't do that because I'll have chocolates and I'll go to sleep. I'm like, ah, I'm having chocolates now. I caught you. So that perspective of catching yourself is stronger now and less, how dare you eat chocolate? How dare you eat chocolate? More like, yo, I know you're eating chocolate okay you can have one but tomorrow reduce it make a mark quantize it so that you can promise me so it's almost like a I promise myself okay I'll do it okay I'll be sure so I will I actually do mark, mark out how much coffee I'm having to track it
1: this is so brilliant and helpful so basically therapy helped you develop an observer or a witness or an adult self so you're talking having conversations with yourself rather than uh, pretending it's not happening or not taking note of behaviors that don't serve you yeah right and that's so why you don't feel it. so alone anymore because you have people inside you you're talking with <laughs> you have an that's adult right. inside you <laughs>
0: this is who's, uh
1: who's looking after <laughs> you and watching over you
3: <laughs> so could we put this as a quote uh Therapy gives you multiple personality disorders so that you are
1: not alone. (laughs) Hooray for therapy. (laughs) It is this adult witness, right? So, I mean, take the example of the chocolate, right? You witness yourself taking a chocolate and instead of pretending you're not, you actually noted it, but you did it gently rather than harsh criticism or slapping you. Did your parents ever talk to you when you were a little boy or a teenager about your body or explain to you about sex? How did you learn about sex?
3: Uh, Full disclosure, my parents didn't have any conversation with me about sex because I think it was also, to give you cultural context, they are Malayali Catholics from Kerala. So how did you learn about sex? I think I first found out what what a nightfall was. Nightfall is when a young boy is like when they when they're sleeping in the night, they ejaculate mm. without realizing it's that. Mm-hmm. So you would know that. And then from there, a question about, hey, this happened. What is that? And all of that. That did happen with parents that I remember happened in a bus. I was uh, school bus uh, route number 12 from school to home. And this is a day after and I'm thinking and I've I've researched it. I'm like, all my sperm is gone. And I'm a kid, okay. I'm like, now I won't ever be able to be a father. All is gone. So I am stressed. Like, what will I tell my parents that I can't be a father? I'm in grades 8, 9, who knows. Like, I'm a kid, okay. And I'm like, oh, I can't be a father anymore. And I happen to ask one school fellow member who was elder ki, yo bro like you know you know something like this I, like what happens when, I don't know what it is I just knew it's over he said something he said Ne-ne, ko refill ho hai, something like that <laughs> okay and I was just like oh it's a then my brain Beautiful. as a kid I'm like okay okay Nighttime it stores itself so morning you can you can throw as much as you want which started the path of my sexual exploration with myself <laughs> But sex still didn't come into the picture Also when you're raised with a lot of sisters You know more about their body parts Than you know about your own body parts So I would know about what PCOD is I would know what a What a strafe is Why a tampon is considered a taboo at that time What did you
1: conclude about sex?
3: Thing as a kid boy learning I'm like Sex is going to be great. It's going to be the best thing in the world. Better than Coca-Cola or Pepsi. What? Is it better than Thumbs Up? I've heard it's better than Limca also. Better than Limca? Bro, that's crazy. So that's how I would say my understanding of sex was better than a kebab roll. It's better than Limca. You know, that that used to be my orgasm. Kebab roll with Limca. Or Thumbs Up. You took that away with sex. (laughs) <laughs> That's what you did. I was so happy with my kebab roll in Limka.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. When when did you... How old were you when you... For your first kiss?
3: I was grade 11th. I, I bloomed very late. I had sex at 29 or 28. <laughs>
1: like, very late. Yeah. It's interesting because um, I think sex... The first sexual encounter is happening earlier and earlier according to all the sex surveys. So, for me, I remember sex is something that...
3: I don't know... For me, I thought sex is a taste. Uh, When I was really young, when, like, a friend told me about it. I remember someone said, condom, and they're like, I don't know what it is, and we were too afraid to open it. We were like, oh, keep it back. What if it explodes? We were like, what if, what if you open and like, you know, something comes out of it? Who's going to clean it? What if we, I remember my friend Robin once said, is lava lava. If you open it, it'll burn, it's acid. So that's, that's, I figured out pieces by pieces of fiction about what sex is to figure out. None of this is sex.
1: Abish, talk to me about sexual attraction.
3: We also are afraid to make moves because what if it's wrong? It happens a lot when you're especially speaking to someone you're interested, to, interested in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is... That is the true test. Till that time, you can be friends with someone and it's fine. And professional contact, you've, you've taken all, all respectful measures to make sure everything is done. It gets different when it gets really personal. Especially during when you want to show someone you're interested. Because that is when it becomes supremely detrimental because your habits could come across as not interested or could come across as too interested or come across as boring or come across as uh, i don't it's never positive so far
1: so uh, so you mean romantic interest in uh, woman romantic, or whoever
3: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah specifically because everything else you can akin it to other but that way you know the you that the objective is so streamlined that you know there's no mistake what if you're flirting with somebody you're playing cards right you can never be yourself you always start little bit and I dislike that because I am not that I don't know what a needs to be I'll just be like here it is this is what it is which isn't good but I'm like I don't have time to figure it out so I won't. yeah,
1: yeah. do you think it's more difficult now as women have become stronger more independent and after the Me Too movement
3: it is much better now yeah because now I think what the Me Too movement also did was that was able to open up communication channel. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about love. Since you mean been... the the feeling of oxytocin and serotonin <laughs> being released from various parts of your brain, suddenly tricking you into understanding that there is a possible mate,
1: <laughs> which is
3: going to last forever. And then Disney, you will live on the top floor of the Disney Tower happily <laughs> ever, ever after. after.
1: <laughs> Bravo! <laughs> okay, now forget the brain explanations and the biochemistry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what <laughs> what are the three words that come to your mind when you think of love? Uh, Quickly, uh, conversation, uh, uh, uh,
3: physical attraction, and uh, oh shit! I have so many. Keep up,
1: going.
3: But you can go more three. than three. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, wow. Conversation, sexual attraction, uh, ability to experiment and try different things with consent. Not sexually. I just meant like yeah. whether it's lifestyle choices or something. And the, oh, 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 ability to let the other person individually grow and come back and grow and come back and grow and come back. Where don't try to be limited to like, you have to live in my house. We have to live together to do this. No, do your thing. Do your thing. We are... Um, Uh, monogamous to each other but let's live life so we have something beautiful to add I guess beautiful explanation now find one and tell me where you find (laughs) it I shall go find immigration to that country
1: (laughs) I think that really is the secret of long term relationships in this day and age it's not about stagnation it's about growth and change and mutual respect through it all so if you were to summarize your entire experience and understanding of love in one sentence how would you describe love?
3: I think the biggest injustice we've done to the word love is to trap it in a word because love is conversation accepting jealousy working towards it uh, uh, physical attraction gift giving understanding what they want to say they won't be able to say it in one time But keep asking slowly, differently and get in bits and pieces from each other. I think all of those things and thousands and many more things that are so overwhelming for the human brain to understand, we trapped it in a four-letter word. And because of that, it's like a genie's lamp that we've trapped and nobody wants to open it because nobody wants to know that you can be jealous in love. Nobody wants to know that you can forgive in love as well. Because everyone's like, it's hyper-consumerism. Faulty product, go to the next one. Mm-hmm. I'm free to it as well but I'm saying that is what Yeah.
1: I think it is Abish, what emotion do you find the most difficult to express?
3: Uh, lust I think will be the toughest because I haven't acknowledged it either that would be the deepest darkest which I'll be able to figure only when I'm able to get over authority and a few other things
1: So talk to me about lust
3: what does it mean to you? I'm afraid I'm just too sexy uh, I'm kidding That's
1: You're true. sexy all right <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm kidding. I thought
3: that's what I would say. Other people's lust. Okay, I'll rephrase yeah. this. <laughs> the fear with lust is uh, <clears throat> It's a simple fear. I think everyone has that. Imagine you're in a place, uh, you're completely inebriate, In inebriated. Is that mm-hmm. the correct message? Yeah, yeah, you're completely Basically, drunk. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, in the, uh, there's a word in the English dictionary called tully. So you're completely tully. <laughs> Again, a joke. I missed it. Yeah. Uh, you're completely smashed out of your wits. There is someone who's pretty uninterested in you. And at that time, they're also interested in you. And let's say you've consensually spoken about it. And you're at a position where you're losing your ability. Right? And at that time, someone makes a move on you. You know that point where you don't remember blackout. You make decisions which are not part of your personality. Which you you're like... <laughs> I wouldn't have done that in my senses ever. And so
1: help me understand, so how does this link to sexuality? So what I hear you saying is that when you're drunk and when all your inhibitions are not constraining you, you're afraid sexually what you might do even in a consensual way. Okay, so that's one. But talk to me about how this links to your own sexuality and your sense of sexual confidence when you're not drunk.
3: Maybe that's why. I think it could be an inherent thing that when I am not drunk, the <clears throat> your your self-value, if it is not high, so I'm guessing when emissions are gone, you'll go for anything and everything. Because it's like scarcity of water. You wanna fill up your tank as much as possible and go. Maybe it's that but like if you've already been in an environment where your parents have spoken to you about sex you've had enough friends you've discussed sex you've had enough you've at least had a partner for a long time who you've experimented with and comfortably understood what sex is lust always kicks in i think out of insecurity of um or i think just sexual insecurity Uh, not insecurity about your body but sexually you know the difference where body insecurity is separate sexually but sexual insecurity where they're good is this enough what if I don't get it what does this mean who's this is this forever I hope this is forever I hope it's only for one night all of these things that pop in I don't discuss about that with myself and that's where I'm afraid yet but I know I'll figure it I know that's something I'm uncomfortable
1: facing yet right (laughs) To end this piece, one of the myths or one of the stories, the beliefs, I don't know if it's a myth or not, is that men always have sex on their mind.
3: Men don't have sex on their mind. Men always have a woman on their mind.
1: Yeah?
3: Yeah. I don't have sex on my mind all the time, but I might have a woman in my mind all the time. So maybe that's the misconstruction. We don't want to... I mean... I there'll always be somebody that you like who you feel someone messages you something is there but it's not like don't have sex all the time <laughs> it's not like yeah, it's not like you know it's not like a dog give me a pole I'll bump it it's it's the person it's something there so I feel like we I think there's a yearning to connect and that comes across as men have sex on their mind when we it's like saying um, generally with men this is something that I could probably say men are at a little disadvantage at. From all the advantages that we have, men have a slight bit of a disadvantage and short, who don't fit into the catalogue, much like for women. It is um, tougher for me to put myself out there.
1: So I hear you saying that uh, you and men, on behalf of men, care both about sex and love. So it's it's the search for connection
3: it is the search for connection Um, sex plays a huge part don't get me wrong yeah yeah I feel like if you can sing to someone talk to someone you can like sex is a communication as well like someone told me this and I really wanted to say this it's just like um, sex for men is for maintenance sex for women could be for celebration like You give a man Sex It's maintenance Like he feels good It's a consistent thing So that he can make An event out of When this one's for you Because two people Are having sex But both people's Requirements Might not meet The same day Same time It's a Aaj le, 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 Let's try something That communication Is important And I feel like As a man And as a woman There are a lot of people Who don't communicate In bed They are I don't mean While in the act But just don't Talk about it only
1: Right. Don't talk about desires. Again, we haven't been trained. When there's no silence There's no blueprint. I uh, see
3: these movies when parents are kissing each other and the kids are like, Mom, Dad, I'm like, come mom, dad.
1: What do you dislike about being a man? I think that
3: preconceived notion of what it needs to be a man. Yeah, like yeah. a man's worst day is still better than a woman's good day. At a certain time earlier, it sounds like I'm saying, you know, as a man, my struggles. Oh, so deeply. Did you know the other day I had to make dinner for myself? How appalling my chambermaids won't allow you know what i mean that's that's what it sounds like and so when i see it also, i'm like i'm okay but like my rock bottom right now is the air of clouds so my rock bottom is air clouds i'm like oh no it's not fluffy enough yeah so i i feel like downton abbey right now speaking to you
1: so great so a lot of what you've said is uh, Uh, very open of you and very actually very profound what advice do you have for young men like you
3: we are very comfortable because our rock bottom is the cloud so always realize that uh, the objective of men my age or below would be look up and look down see who is as privileged as you more privileged than you so you can ask for the help and they'll be more than happy to give it but also render down to see who needs to come that human chain of passing while you go up that is I think a system you should develop and that'll happen only through conversations it'll only happen with conversations this is my first one yeah so really? hopefully there'll be more of those yeah. yeah great
1: well thank you so much for your for your time for talking so openly Uh, Anything else You want to say Anything that I haven't Spoken about Or you want me to ask you No the
3: only thing I would like to say is I don't know if I'm right (laughs) Of anything This is what I think now Until someone comes And tells me Hey This could be better Then Instead of just Listening to them I'm gonna run it Through an array Of audiences and everything And then adapt Like for me Every time I do a show I say ladies gentlemen And others now because I did a film festival for Kashish Film Festival. It's an LGBTQ film festival in India. And they asked me to host it and said, ladies gentlemen, and gentlemen, others. And I said, others, isn't that isolating? Shouldn't it be another word? They said, till there is, this is the designation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, got it. It's not my definition, but by definition, when there's a better word, I'll replace it. So I think, um, I don't know why I bragged.
1: No, that's not a brag. That's actually very important to, important way of being inclusive Right. Why did you think that's a brag? I don't know. I feel good. (laughs) It's not a brag.
3: (laughs) I feel great. People ask me, why do you say ladies and gentlemen and others? I'm like, nice. Good you asked.
1: Uh
3: (laughs) It's weird. Sometimes I'm like, okay, good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As we were talking earlier that we have to keep changing, changing with the times and we learn new things. And I think there's such a, such a shift finally in opening up the gender binary into a spectrum and create more spaces and uh, inclusiveness and dropping the judgments of how what gender taxonomy and what gender is meant to be. India was actually very gender fluid and now and now we're just claiming it I've been reading
3: (laughs) so much about Kerala that I've read my dad's explanation I'm like man this is so such great conversation for gender which hopefully I'll be able to document and present it in a manner that is informational and down the line. so thank you
1: thank Thank you you so much so much for taking this time to talk and uh, I hope this also gives you some material and ideas for future future shows And and because it's such an important area, you know, to explore masculinity and not assume that there's just one way of being a man. Let's continue this conversation. Men's fractured selves lives in the fact that no man defined manhood as love. Narrow masculinity is poison. It leeches out love and leaves behind power or pretend power and fear. It hovers inside us. It's impossible to be a full human being without love, without being vulnerable, to have doubts, fears, tears, to be held instead of always holding, to have empathy for others and surety inside, to feel powerful and enable others to feel powerful. Men have as much a right to expand themselves as every other human being, and to do so is an act of courage. It is contagious courage. Join me in breaking open this conversation about love and power. In your homes, schools, colleges, workplaces and play spaces, ask the men in your life and others this question. Do you feel safe to love unabashedly? Do you feel safe to share your doubts, concerns, and fears with your loved ones? This is Deepa Narayan. Join me in slow conversation. Listen deeply. Share your stories with others and us.
0: Do subscribe to our channel on Hubhopper, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or wherever you are currently listening. Our website is whatsaman.com. You can reach Dr. Deepa Narayan at Vop on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center, New Delhi. The opinions, findings and conclusions stated are those of What's a Man, masculinity in India, and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State. Our partners are Hub Hopper, the Gender Lab, who work with adolescent boys and girls on gender awareness, Chup Circles, safe spaces for conversation, and Youth Ki Awaaz, the largest online platform for youth voices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's a man? 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 Oh man, hey man, good man, bad man, superman, be a man. What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? Strong man, weak man, Nelly man, nerdy man, big man, be a man. What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? What's a man?